0: Hey there, what's up warrior? It is Jeff from warriorlife.com and welcome to podcast episode number 391. So this week my girl and I took the grand kiddos on over to the Florida State Fair and my body is still paying me back for all of the deep fried goodness that I devoured over there. So it was a pretty good time for me to hit up an old friend of mine and have a chat about how to develop the willpower, the focus and the drive to stick with our goals. And I'm talking about personally, professionally, and yes, even tactically too. And I'll tell you, this episode, it's quite a bit longer than most of our other episodes are. And if you ever struggle with staying on track with any aspect of your your fitness or your health plan or your self-protection training, there's some really great advice that's sprinkled throughout this entire episode. So you might want to go back through it a second time, or you can go and grab the cheat sheet for it over in our Warrior Life Academy Loot Locker. Now, one of the other reasons that I took this direction this week was from a card that I got in the mail from one of our listeners, Mike Abbey, who is a retired police force lieutenant. And yes, a card in the mail. (laughs) Remember those? And Mike wrote to us and he said, Hey Jeff and team, many thanks for your continued quality podcast. I continue to listen and learn. Keep up the good work. I would love to see you guys tackle more warrior wellness issues. I know that you support wellness. I've started a wellness blog myself at OnBeyondBlue.com, so I'd be interested in what you and your team think. Thanks again, and keep up the good work. No, thank you, Mike. Thank you for your service and for your feedback, too. And listen, everybody, go check out Mike's blog, especially if you're a first responder or military, and show our brother in blue some support on over there. It's over at OnBeyondBlue.com. Plus, if you're loving our podcast, please go and leave us a badass five-star review wherever you listen in. You can go find us and subscribe to our channel at iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast fix from. And now, let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training. Urban survival. Close quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. All right, tell me if any of this sounds familiar to you. Your phone is beeping and it's blorping. Your email inbox has a thousand different emails screaming for your attention. Social media is flooding you with notifications of likes and comments and shares. And hell, let's make things even a little bit more personal you're probably not exercising as much as you should be. You're not eating as well as you know you should be. You stare at a screen all day long and then spend the evening staring at an even bigger screen, only to go to bed and toss and turn during the night just to get right back up in the morning and do it all over again. Now in the end, this is absolutely a recipe for a weak mind and a weak body, not the mental and physical strength that we need to be ready for any threat that you might be called to face, right? But who has the time, the energy and even the mental bandwidth these days to put into doing all the things that we know we should be doing? Well, if any of these factors have found their way into your life and trust me, most of them came from my own personal experience, then you're in the right place because it is time for a warrior makeover. Hey there, Warrior. This is Jeff Anderson, executive director of WarriorLife.com and the Warrior Life Academy and with me today to help us all better develop focus and more discipline and yes, even a stronger body, no matter how old you are, or what limitations that you have is my buddy, Mike Gillette. Mike, welcome back to the program, man. Hey, Jeff. Great to be with you. Always good to have you here, um, especially with a lot of the things you've been doing recently. You've been up to to taking some shifts in your uh, in your career, and I'm really interested <laughs> to see how these are these are kind of playing out and some of the tips that we can draw from it also um some of you might be familiar with the past things that we've done with mike with podcast episodes and that we've done with training like like bigger training um but he, mike's got a story that really does read like an action adventure novel and he's got basically his own life of that's it's really become like his own best case study for attaining whatever goals that he wants to in life now he grew up A poor, scared, scrawny kid in an environment of extreme violence and substance abuse, but he never let the conditions of his life hold him back from achieving great things. In fact, Mike took his real-world experience and his challenges and turned them into a unique set of mental, physical, and tactical skills to carve out his own destiny. As an army paratrooper, SWAT commander, high-end bodyguard, combatives instructor, combat fitness instructor, and even a record-breaking motivational strongman whose feats have even been documented by the Guinness Book of World Records and Ripley's Believe It or Not. Now, even at over 50 years old, Mike is highly sought out as a peak performance pioneer, and he continues to push beyond his own personal limits while teaching others how to do the same. Now, you can learn more about Mike and his training over at www.mikegillette.com, and that's two L's and two T's. So head on over to mikegillette.com. All right, Mike, uh, let's, let's go ahead and get started here. Um, actually, a lot of this, this podcast really came out of a personal need. So I'm, I'm kind of being selfish here. But I think most people understand that our mind is our, our greatest asset when it comes to being more focused and more disciplined. And that really comes down to anything that we want to accomplish. But it can also be our biggest challenge too, right? I mean, I think for the most part, we do it to ourselves we really sabotage ourselves. And a lot of times I think we don't even really realize it. So when you're working with people on kind of peak conditioning and peak mental performance, what are the biggest mistakes that you see people making that detract from our being able to be more focused and have a more disciplined mind?
1: Well, I think the the, the first problem that, that most people have is sort of attributing to Two circumstances. Uh, well, this this is just how things are. This is just how I am. And w- once we sort of adopt that attitude, well, where can you go with that? You, you can't. You're you're in essence stuck. So, when I hear people say, "Well, that's you know, I can't help it. It's just the way I am," um, I always relate that to my own experience, which you know you sort of uh, alluded to uh, during the intro. Uh, if if we were truly captive to how, how things are or how we are, no, no one would be able to have these sort of, uh, you know, point A to point B origin stories, you know, that they can be in, encouraging to other people. So the first thing that I really try to instill in people is the idea that, you know, first off, you know, as, as you said, Jeff, you know, everything comes from the mind, mind navigates the body. Um, we, all, we all say things like that, so we all intellectually know that, but we generally don't live that out. And um, and that was sort of a pivotal point in my own personal development very early on in my life when I sort of tried to transition from someone who had assimilated you know, sort, sort of uh, you know, through, through you know, all of the ambient negativity of my early life. When I decided that, okay, I want a different life, well, it's great to decide that but how do you do that? And you know, ni- 1981, 82, you know, I'm, I'm 18, 19 years old, I didn't know how. I mean, I, a lot of what I uh, eventually developed as, as sort of a, a methodology was just sort of, you know, by necessity, it was for me first. So um, if I didn't have some sort of expectation that I could make things different, you know, I, you make things different by making yourself different. Uh, and, and that, that's really kind of the, the bedrock place that we start, you know, if, if you're not happy with how things are, well, fix yourself. I guarantee you that's, that it's the, it's the one domain that we have potential control over if, if we will, uh, declare that, if we will accept that premise, uh, you know, so the idea philosophically is, is accepting this idea that things can change. Uh, and then the next layer of that is, well, who's going to make that happen? Well, you are because if not, it it won't. So that, that's kind of where, where we start, and then we kind of la- layer in additional uh, subtleties uh, from, from there, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, and I wrote that down, like you make things different by making yourself different. It, it sounds like one of the biggest challenges that you come across is people kind of scapegoating, like blaming the conditions of their life, or it's my boss at work, um, my spouse doesn't listen to me, my kids are driving me crazy, um, it's the politics. It's it's whatever. Like it's always some outside condition that limits what we do. Um, I think when it comes to personal goals, that becomes a little bit more challenging to scapegoat, right? Like because those are things kind of in our own control. But I do still find that there's like a lot of like even I, and I, like I said, this podcast is largely like for my own therapy. But because I always have a lot of things that I want to get done. Um, I want to have a better body. I just came back from the state fair last night in Florida, and I was telling my team this morning in our meeting that I had um, I started out with loaded onion rings and then deep fried Oreos and then fried clams. and and uh, French fries, which is my death row meal, by the way. And then, you know, worked my way up to the funnel cake right before I left all promising myself that I was going to like the next day, like today's the day I'm getting back on my back on my game. So I think it is a lot of the, you know, we do it to ourselves sort of thing. Um, But I like that. I mean, blaming others seems to be a big problem. I can't blame the funnel cake maker (laughs) doing the funnel cake, right? (laughs) So like mentally, what are, what are maybe some of the biggest mistakes? Like I can, I can pull probably some stuff right out of there, but, um, what are the things that we kind of do to ourselves that might be self-sabotaging?
1: Well, the, uh, the interesting thing that you point up is that it's very easy, particularly I, th- I think our generation, Jeff was really the, the first generation where it became very, uh, uh common, you know, well, I come from a broken home. the school system fit you know it was it became uh, kind of accepted that uh, it's always everyone else's fault you know and in, in that that's kind of permeated culture and uh, which which reinforces the tendency to just sort of accept the status quo you know and and to feel sort of powerless within yourself to do anything about that. so when you talk about things like self sabotage, um there's I think there, there's two levels to that as well, and, and the first is kind of a, a passive or uh, a lack of awareness that leads to that. And the lack of awareness is is frequently where you know, I I begin conversations with people. And if if we sort of look at uh, how how things work uh, for others, how things work for ourselves, and I have sort of a a representation of that it's, it's a model it's a worldview so it's it's not science uh but it, it's sort of true and it's there's an acronym s-t-e-d-o Stedo. situations thoughts uh emotions decisions outcomes and you know so this the sort of the first thing that we encounter experientially are our circumstances or situations well what do we do about that you know do we scapegoat do we blame others do we just uh well i'm powerless against funnel kicks and and we've all been there. Um, You know, so I'm just I'm just a victim of deliciousness and good smells. Um, Whereas uh, when you can start looking at everything around you as as something that you have a lot more control over, again, you know, if if we sort of uh, repeat one of my, my most often quoted uh, maxims, which is control the controllables. Uh, The first thing that happens there is well, if if I'm going to control the controllables, I need to figure out, well, what are the controllables? Okay. Then you start, you start in, in the obvious places. Well, there's me. Uh, well, how many layers of you are are there in, in that equation? Well, it, almost an infinite number of layers. But when we start looking at what's controllable, we also start to sort of, you know, filter out, well, what isn't controllable? Yeah, you know, the weather, other people's attitudes, you know, the boss. You know, the spouse, all, all of those things. And when you start realizing that um, th- those were never under your control, although a lot of us sort of conduct ourselves as though we can, you know, in- influence people by just, you know, wanting things b- very badly or thinking really hard about it. Um, when we start to develop a, a certain level of awareness and, and objectivity about what is truly under our control, A, we, we stop wasting so much effort on things that are not, and we start to you know, take that surplus of effort and channel it where it's a, a little bit more appropriate. So the first thing is is kind of this, uh, the sabotage part is just not being aware that we can take a much more proactive role in, in, in how things go in our own life. But there's also a conscious aspect uh, to the sabotage. Uh, and that's where we talk ourselves out of things. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm not good enough. Um, it's all politics, you have to know the right people. And, and that's sort of, you know, I'm, I'm I'm taking my my lack of progress, and I'm placing it back on the shoulders of, uh, you know, other metaphorical villains that are, are preventing me from, from doing these things. And I think that the sabotage is not just, well, you know, I have a lot of negative thoughts, because XYZ reasons I've assimilated from my childhood or school or what have you. I personally think that it's, a little bit more of a unintentional fear management technique because here's the thing you can go to the state fair and you know sample i'm still trying to figure out what loaded onion rings are i can't stop thinking about what that is um but you know you can kind of avail yourselves of all of these things which have an interim uh amount of pleasure associated with them even though you're you're sort of thinking in the back of your mind man what am i going to you know i'm gonna to have to work this off you know this isn't good for me this is giving me a stomach ache and you know yet we're we're still crushing the pop charts, the deep fried oreos for god's sakes um and you know so then the next day comes well um maybe tomorrow maybe tomorrow you know and we sort of you know delay things because delaying things is less painful than starting the thing and then risking failure you know if if i lay bare you know, the, the wants and desires of of my soul. And they're just right on the table. That means I'm laying it all out there. I know that I've done it. If I say, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. uh, Well, now two things are going to happen. I'm either going to a do that, which is going to be hard. It's going to represent change. Change is scary, or I'm not going to do that, which represents, you know, disappointment in the one person you really don't want to disappoint. That's yourself. But I spared myself, you know, the, the accountability, because if I, if I can just kind of keep delaying, then I can you know, find reasons. Well, the gym's really far. The gym's really expensive. You know, there's so much conflicting advice uh, in the world about how to eat right. You know, nobody knows what they're talking about. So screw it. More funnel cakes for everybody. Um, so I think part of it is not knowing that we can change things. And part of it is knowing that we might be able to change things, but fearing what happens if we fail to change things. Make sense?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've, I was actually just listening to another podcast this morning um, because I think I think that's put out there a lot, right? Um, that the reason why, it's interesting you're bringing this up because it was in the podcast. It was, it was related to more like business, but like of having things that you want to achieve, but why don't we actually implement the things that we know we should be or whatever. This was a, this was a business podcast I was listening to, but the expert that was on said, one of the big things is people don't implement it because they're afraid of failing. That's Mm -hmm. never been my thing. Like I, in fact, I, I don't believe in failure. I always said, if I ever went to Navy SEAL school, I would die because I probably couldn't swim enough to be able to get through it. But I also wouldn't quit. Like I'm never afraid of, Mm -hmm. of failing. Um, it always just seems to be, for me, It's and it's weird, and I wonder if other people experience this as well or if you've come across this, but I, it's like I like I like the, that it's the pot of gold, right, at the end of the rainbow. And it's like the leprechaun just keeps running after it, but it's always out in front. It's like I always like success to be out in front of you. Yeah, Like, you know what? It feels really good to eat the funnel cake tonight. Um, I know I can get in, in amazing shape, the best shape I ever have. I can do that tomorrow and actually tomorrow is today so i have to put up or shut up today to my girlfriend but um for me it's like i like the thought that success is is right out in front of me and i'm gonna get there and it's right in front, but it always just kind of seems to be right out in front of me. i have a book that i've been trying to write for like 10 years and i'd never get that damn thing done but i know it's gonna be the best book but i just keep putting it off because mm-hmm. it's and, and for anybody that's listening, it could be any goal that you have, whether it's your health, whether mm-hmm. it's something at work, whether it's something with your family. You know, I don't know if anybody else, I'd like to hear from people if you, if you do experience that same kind of thing where I, it's like I like that success is in front of me. I don't have it right now, but I like that it's like mm-hmm. this big giant carrot that I love to be right out in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know? What you're saying makes a lot of sense with me. It resonates with me, but I don't think we're typical. And I think one of the reasons, you know, the, the fear of failure looms so large for the average person is the average person um, is not sort of entrepreneurial minded, you know, like you are, or just crazy like I am, because living the way that we do, I mean, you know, we've, we've got overlapping areas of, of interest and expertise, but we also sort of, you know, are, are pursuing things in, 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 in some pretty significantly separate ways as well. Um the it, you know it's all about the hunt. You know, it it's the chase and you know and success is you know that that uh that that creature that you know we're we're in, in pursuit of. Uh I think the average person is much more interested in comfort. The average person is much more interested, and in, here's where the fear comes uh acceptance from others. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if it's uh, you know other people that they don't really have that much respect for. They just, you know, they they, they need to be uh you know, ex- accepted to whatever degree that, that, that resonates with them and, you know, failing causes you to, to uh, risk not being accepted because people will know, you know, and it's, it's that accountability piece.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and you know, w- one of the things I used to notice when social media was just kind of, you know, getting some steam, um, people would. Make a post on, on say Facebook or what was that MySpace, Uh, and say, hey, I'm, uh, I'm kind of excited. I'm, I I just joined a gym, or I'm kind of excited. I'm, I'm going to start. I just started this new diet, and rather than seeing you know follow up comments of, hey, good luck, man, kick ass, it's as well. Oh, you look fine the way you are, or don't get too carried away, or be careful, and it's sort of like the the mob doesn't want anyone to be exceptional because that shines a light on how unexceptional they are if you and i are buds and you know we we sort of grew up playing video games together we're both sort of got that video game physique and you suddenly start going to the gym and i'm not and you start looking like you're going to the gym i have i I have to deal with that. So I'm, I'm going to, you know, passive aggressively encourage you not, not to get. So, Oh, he's just, Jeff is obsessed, man. I'm worried about him. He's at the gym all the time. Well, no, Jeff, Jeff is making me look like how I look. And I don't like that. Uh, So there's, it, it gets reinforced internally. We, you know, we don't uh, want, want to risk failure. We don't want to uh, have have people notice that we gave up and then we sort of seek the company of other militantly mediocre people to sort of reinforce why it's okay for us to not go big after, you know, whatever that thing is, you know, it's, you, know you know, you you launching another uh, business line or, you know, me finding another means to sort of test myself mentally slash physically, uh, which always, you know, carries a certain, you know, physical risk and, or just the risk of disappointment, those kinds of things. So I would imagine that within the space of, of this community, you have people who are, you know, if, if they've been sort of typical people, they're looking for ways to be less so. So they're interested in, you know, the, the empowering uh, information that you provide, because it starts to change the way you think. Someone who feels like they can protect themselves feels like they can manage their destiny to a degree that the average person cannot you know, they they start looking at the environment and, and themselves and they, they see potential solutions or potential remedies rather than just, you know, more and more layers of scary things to, you know, keep them locked safely in their home.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I, I want to, Mike, I want to take this in a little bit more of a kind of a tactical area here because every, every expert in our industry talks about staying in the yellow zone, right? Like mm-hmm. to be tactically alert at all times so that you can spot danger from a thousand miles away um i know I mean, you were a high level bodyguard and i did some bodyguard work for a while some security work but one of the things that always struck me about it is how mentally well one how boring it was it was always like a dream of mine until i got it and i was like oh my god this is the most boring job i've ever had but it was also mentally exhausting because you really right. do have to kind of be on alert like all right. the time when you're on so So, I mean, you worked at such a high level with this, with some, with celebrities and, and everybody else. Like what are some of the tricks that you've picked up to stay as like tactically alert as possible without it becoming mentally exhausting also, but still be effective, especially for the, this isn't really just necessarily for like security. This is for the Mm -hmm. average, you know, Joe and Jane Schmo out there who really just do want to live a more prepared lifestyle, more protected and want to be more tactically alert. Like, is it? Was it's not? So it's not just lip service. Yeah.
1: Well, that's that's a it's a really good question. Um, and I sort of lived through uh, having to find my own way in in accomplishing that. So in my early days of uh, being a cop, uh, I found that you know if it was a really busy shift. You know, mentally you're fatigued because you know some of the things that are going on obviously are you know are very emotionally draining, a lot of adrenaline, that sort of thing. You know, people trying to kill you always gets your attention. Um, But I also found, and this was sort of a paradoxical reality that I had to sort of figure out when I was still very young in in that profession, is even if it was a slow shift, I was just as tired. Well, how can that be? Well, eventually, it dawned on me that maybe it's you know my level of mental engagement that you know, is contributing somehow uh, to this phenomenon. Of course, that was the case. So, what I uh, I started to do, and uh, I had kind of a a reintroduction to military service that was kind of happening on on top of this. So, um, a million years ago, I was in the army, and that was. Uh, you to get money, to become, to go to college, because I was interested in becoming a cop. Uh, but then, when I was in the military, uh, I sort of found what I thought was was my uh, my home, and it was uh, a pretty significant climbing accident that medically got me uh, processed out of the military, you know, broken back, ankles, things like that. You're never going to run again. You can't jump out of any more airplanes. You know, you're just freaking done. And you know, when you're 22, that's that that's a lot to handle. So. Uh, as I was able to sort of reconstitute myself physically get back in, into the you know, being a, at least a viable candidate for law enforcement. Uh, concurrent with that, I had an opportunity to return to military service via what was called a, a LERS unit, long range surveillance. And, you know, so I'm jumping again, uh, in addition to to my my cop life. And it was in that capacity that I really sort of had to Because when we would do these missions, um, you know, you have to get to to very close to the enemy and you just have to be able to to document everything. And this can play out for a a very extended period of days and, you know, nominal MREs and, and all of that sort of a thing. And what I found is that you can be on only so long. And if you are too on... You know, it's kind of like sprinting, you know, think, think of attention, like sprinting, you know, how, how long can you sprint full out? You know, it, it's a finite amount of time. If it's going to be a longer, you know, if you're going to run a mile, that's a different pace. If you're going to run a 10 K, that's a different pace, a marathon, that's a different pace. So what's, what's sort of the the duration of, uh, you know, the mission, you know, well, what's the mission? Is it, you know, just getting home from the store? Is it, you know, uh, staying the night in a hotel in a strange town uh and you didn't get the hotel room that you were hoping for and this this three star is closer to a one star and things are sketchy um well i have to kind of be on it all night long Then, uh, if it's you know we're using a, a bodyguard analogy from from that chapter of my life well how how long am i going to be with with the client before i can reasonably you know take take some sort of a break and it's it's an understanding the duration, uh, that I think is, is the biggest trick. And it's recognizing that, um, it's, it's no different than, than physical output. You know, one of the things that that I often say, I mean, people can argue with this is, you know, the mind is the body, the body is the mind, you know, you have to think about yourself in terms of, you know, the totality of the organism that is you. So I look at attention and focus and, you know, we talk about the uh, Cooper and his, his, color codes, um, you can only be extremely vigilant for a certain amount of time. Uh, Now you need to be extremely vigilant if you just heard a noise outside your home. Okay. We, until we get that resolved, you know, we have to be absolutely in it mentally speaking, but if it's just uh, navigating the, uh, the mundanities of, of regular life. And you talked about uh, being bored for extended periods of time. Um, I think part of how, how you deal with that is understanding what it, what it takes to process things efficiently and what, what level of attention can you maintain for a particular time? I have not learned, I mean, other than specific exercises you know, that I teach which are helpful for for developing focus but those are helpful for developing focus in the short term okay i have i'm going to write for 90 minutes i need to be in that place where i can just because it's i got a lot i have to get done uh but i also know that after about 90 minutes of of that level of, of concentration i need to take a break and the, the break thing is, is whatever the break needs to be, you know, that, that might be okay. I'm just going to close my eyes for 10 seconds, a couple of breaths. Okay. I'm, I'm back on it. You know, I'm back eyes on the target, what have you. But if I don't build in that process, I mean, you know, look at uh, like, like when a sniper is deployed with, with an observer, they have breaks that they have to take otherwise you know not just you know the the physiological aspect of you know the whole optic you know process but just the level of concentration things just you when you become fatigued you are less able to make the you know snap objective decisions that are are necessary in in, in that type of application so uh, when you are protecting yourself and you're protecting your loved ones, you are, you know, you are the assault team, you are the sniper, you know, you are the intelligence gathering mechanism, you are the, the medical care, uh, you are everything. So the way that I, I approach that aspect of, of my own life is just by being in, in a place where I kind of make some decisions. Now, anything can happen this 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 can backfire you can't make you know lots of assumptions but we all have to make assumptions um is the pavement dry i'm going to drive at this speed is the pavement wet i'm going to notch that down is the pavement icy okay i'm making assumptions based on my own experience uh of of how i have to engage with the environment based on the the variables that are confronting me so Things are different when you're home. Things are different when you're on the road. Things are different when you are, you know, in certain neighborhoods, and you you have to sort of elevate or kind of you know uh, lower the intensity level accordingly in order to be where you need to be. And that was probably more of a conceptual and less a trick of the trade type answer than maybe you were hoping for. But that's that's how I approach it.
0: No, I think there's there's actually some really interesting aspects of that that um, that you got me thinking about. I mean, one is it's easy for quote unquote experts out there to say you need to be in you know code yellow all the time. Essentially, if it's true code yellow, if you really are like staying alert. I mean, I think just just by knowing that bad things happen to good people, mm-hmm. and I think we're you know if you want to call that yellowish, right? I think mm-hmm. most of us that are that spend any time. Thinking about that and that can be the average person just who mm-hmm. owns a gun who carries concealed or whatever like you're you're more conscious at least that that bad things can happen mm-hmm. out there so it's kind of a yellowish zone but the truly kind of like alert alert um it's it really can be maybe over the bo- overboard also in some instances, mm-hmm. right if you're at the nurse you're at the, the daycare system maybe that's you know some toddler biting at your ankles maybe isn't such a big threat for you but like last night at the state fair the place is packed, it's mm-hmm. packed. And, you know, not everybody there looks like they're, they're all you know, just came out just came out of like the boardroom at the fortune 500 company. So I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively alert, but you you brought up something that I think, uh, really made me think, which is if you are on a security team, like you ran teams, you put together teams for, uh, for guarding principles. And if you really care about the life of your principal, And you go to take a break, and somebody else is taking the door or taking whatever you have to be like, you have to have the confidence that person also has the principal's best interest and wants to keep them alive and will jump in front of the bullet. So when it comes to the family, it kind of really does lend not credibility, but it, it really it really builds up the need to make sure that your family, as much as they're willing to be more alert, that they mm-hmm. have that mindset also. Now, I my, in my last marriage, I was married to somebody who did not want to live that way, did, you know, it? Um, in fact, was vehemently opposed to it, just wanted to live this rainbows and puppy dogs lifestyle which is fine. Like you can't force somebody out there. I know it's a big mm-hmm. problem that a lot of our, our listeners have. A lot of people that I work with have is like, how do I get my, my spouse to come along? How do I get them to be more survival minded to this and that? And it's like, ultimately, sometimes you can't, I wasn't mm-hmm. able to ma- have them make that transition, which just mm-hmm. meant that when we were out and about, it put more, it put more burden on me mm-hmm. to be more alert because I couldn't count on that. Now, last night at the fair, I can go do stuff because my girlfriend does think like that. She Mm -hmm. is street star. She does carry concealed. She is savvy. And so Mm -hmm. I know I can rest because I have faith in what she can do. And we talk about Mm -hmm. these things and we train and we do these sorts of things. And, and I have faith and confidence. She's like, she's my, my partner there. So Mm -hmm. I think it, it brings that, that need up there that if you, um, if you really do work with your family, if you, if you have, not just shove it down their throat, but Mm-hmm. It does call up the need to at least keep conversations going. Um, even just noting news uh, items that can happen, not from a paranoid standpoint, but for mm-hmm. those people that do struggle with having family members who aren't as alert or conscious about bad things happening is just talking about the news because there's more than enough stuff out there that can I can do that. But um, but yeah, just that's one of the things that really just got me going. And the other thing I thought about, you kind of you kind of said also, I remember in the army, um, especially, and I did, and I did, I was on LERP teams also, and it's like for long range reconnaissance. but it's like several so times where we did not sleep, we were, we were yeah. going from one objective to another, especially in 10th mountain division, we were just constantly. And so sleep was a rarity, mm-hmm. but when you just took a break from a road march, or you were just going there, like you somehow learned to, to hyper sleep, right? Or if you're in the back yeah. of a deuce and a half, if you got yeah. really super lucky, it was like your your head went on the m16. And you just like, you could just knock out like that because you learn to kind of take a super break. And I think that's really important for everybody that's listening is when you can't when you can turn off and you have that, Mm -hmm. you have the ability to and the confidence that the things that you protect are still protected, and you can take a break. It's like, what are you doing to take a super break? Because you might not have that much time. What are yeah. you doing with your sleep? What are you doing with your breaks? Are, I've started to look, get into more breath work and I'm getting back into yeah. my meditations and things yeah. like that. It's like, how do I hyper break? How do I like really recover mm. as best yeah. that I possibly can?
1: Uh, you bring up a really interesting point or, or several. Uh, the, the first uh, is, I, th- I think, important you know, to kind of uh, reinforce uh, to every everyone listening, and that is you can't force, or I don't think you should try to force, you know, if, if you are ninja minded, great, good for you, God bless. Um, that may not be who your spouse is, you know, or, or who your your partner is, um, but that's okay. Yeah, it does, you know, perhaps, you know, put more expectation on, on, but you know, in the same way that if somebody told you, hey, just chill out, Jeff, don't be that way. It's like, no, that that's not you being true to you. That's not how you choose to engage with life. So if somebody wants to be more, you know, in, in the unicorn side of things, okay, fine. You know, that's, that, that's how things are. Uh, So it's, and these questions come up, you know, how how can I sell the idea of, of being, you know, stone cold ninja to, to my significant other, you know, or, or to other people in my circle. And it's like, well. Um, Do your best. Make make a rational case for it, and uh, you know they're either going to accept it on its merits or not. Um, But when you you brought up the um, the EP universe, one of the things that was very helpful to me is obviously when you are, it's just you and the guy who sits on top of the Fortune fifty. It's just the two of you. Your your attention level is is here. However, it's just the two of you. And if you are visibly acting as though your your attention level is here, the person that you are are protecting uh, is, is not going to feel protected. Part of what you're doing by being there is not just, you know, leap, leaping in front of the hypothetical bullet. You're making them feel like they can have as normal a life as possible given who they are. And the way that you do that is you dial it down at least externally. So, um, for example, if I was driving, we'll say the founder of the world's largest software uh, company, and it's just the two of us, and it looks like somebody's tailing us, am I going to communicate that? Not until I actually have to do something, you know. Not not until I'm you know crashing that car or I'm shooting or, you know, whatever. But up until that point, it serves no purpose. I'll sort of, you know, I'll, I'll do what I do to kind of verify, is this a threat? Is this, you know, something I need to have the follow car deal with uh, or not? So the the ability to sort of be here, but kind of look like that's oh, just, just another beautiful day in scenic Las Vegas, that sort of uh, separation is is as much a skill as you know. You're talking about the kind of getting re- reacquainted with meditating. Okay, anything that allows you to feel as though you have a, a better handle on taming the internal landscape from the neck up uh, is invaluable. You know, anybody who goes to the range and every time they go to the range, they're frustrated because they they don't shoot the way that they they think they should based on you know the dry fire stuff and you know they're 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 working the mechanics at home all the time but they go out and you know, the visibility or or the something and they just they they get too amped up so anything that we can do that makes us you know feel more in control you know whether, whether that's more you know more range work different range work uh, sparring uh, going to the gym and just you know getting more in touch with the the physical aspect of ourselves all of that is, is informing the thought process as well, that, you know, how, how we make decisions, uh, the things that contribute to us feeling, uh, more in, you know, getting back control the controllables, you know? So, so in the tactical context, what does that mean? Be as skilled as you can be as strong as you can be as smart as you can. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And which also translates to things like, you know, you know, eating better than worse, you know? Better sleep than than no sleep, all all of those things, because again, the mind is the body, body is the mind. We are a, a a singular entity. and you know the the stereotype of the out of- shape gun guy, right? um we we know those people. now if if you have specific physical limitations, um, you know that that's not a that's not a judgment. But if you are, if you carry a gun because you are, you know, a serious self-defense-minded person, and you're neglecting all of these other aspects, which are intimately connected, you know, to your ability to make, you know, sound decisions and you know get that that weapon on target, uh, then you are there, there's your self sabotage,
0: more of a conscious self sabotage, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Good point, man. Um, Mike, a lot of people by that, I mean myself included, um, have have trouble staying focused on a single task throughout the day. Um, mm-hmm. That's one of my biggest challenges that I really, that I really did. And I, and again, this could be business, could be it could be personal. Um, I, I don't have any typical problems when it comes personal, but business-wise, it's really hard for me to stay focused when I have so many things going on. So what advice do you have that will allow us to be, um, to get more done by improving our ability to stay on task? Um,
1: a lot of directions, uh, we could go with that. I think the, um, the easiest place to start is what gets in our way of doing the particular thing. Um, you know, so is it, uh, I, I've, I've got it, you know, for me and probably for you too, we both have to create a lot of, uh, content and so forth with, with what we do. Well, what gets in the way? Well, anything that that's a distraction. What's what's a distraction. Oh, I don't know. Here's one. Um, you know, how, how can we get far away from this thing? How can we, uh, you know, silence all of the other captivating screens that might, you know, make noises and, and flash and so forth and compete for our attention. So the first thing I do when I do anything, whether, you know, it's work or even if it's working out, how, how can I, we get back to controlling controlables, how can I manage that environment? Uh, so that it is more conducive to me getting stuff done and less conducive to, you know, getting distracted by shiny objects. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, uh, if this is the internal battlefield, how do we prep the battlefield, you know, for optimal success? So that, that's where I would start. And then beyond that, and um, in, in some of these things uh, can sound very simple, uh, and, and they are, it's just one has to be diligent in application. Uh, because your question is a question I get a lot from athletes, you know, uh, how how can I stay focused when I'm, you know, I need to be focused in what I'm, you know, the ball or, you know, the opponent Um, because even in situations like that, people can become distracted. And the way that we start addressing that is to actually address it. And what I mean by that is um, if I am, Potentially distracted uh, by random thoughts, and everybody is, it never goes away, we just get better at it. Uh, So there's never a point where, oh, that's it. I'm just, you know, I'm untouchable, you know, bulletproof brain, nothing gets in without an invitation, Um, things get in less things over time, but things get in. And they, the way that you deal with them at a high level is the way that you deal with them at an entry level. And that is, the first point is recognition. Okay, so here, here comes you know the, the random thought. Um, and it's, it's, it's starting to adhere. And it's not uh, consistent with whatever, like if I'm, I'm working on, on, on uh, some written work, for example, I will stop what I'm doing just for a second. And I'll say, stop. I will literally say that. You know and i can, i can say that to myself if it would be weird to say it out loud but i i stop myself and i i tell the thought to stop i go back to it now how long does it stay gone well in the early phases not very long but what i'm doing is i'm literally speaking to my own mind uh which this is starting to sound like Gillette's crazy but this is this it's it's very pragmatic uh if you think about it um If, if you had uh, a dog, like a pet dog run into the room and it's, it's yapping away and it's distracting you, you would, you would try to make it be quiet and you can do that. Why? Well, you're, you're the boss. Now, does the dog respond? I don't know. You know, it depends on the dog. Uh, it doesn't respond well in the early stage. You have to train that dog to be quiet. You know, the kids keep running in the room, you know, hey, dad, dad I drew this picture. Hey, that's awesome. Uh, in 20 minutes, I'm going to take a really good look at that, but um, I've got to have some quiet time right now. So you know, we manage the environment first. You know, We, we try to set things up for success, to use that cliche. But then we, anytime we notice that there's a potential interruption, we say, stop you know, or not now, and you can, you can make, make the, the directive, whatever makes sense for you, whatever uh, is appropriate, you know, given the context. But when you think about it, you're, you're, you're giving yourself orders. Well, who can give orders? People who are in charge. You're in essence <clears throat> reinforcing this, this sort of internal premise that, um, you know, this is real estate. Okay. You are the real estate manager. Now, you've always been the real estate manager. Maybe you didn't know that. Maybe you're not an effective real estate manager now, but you can be. And it starts by being very simple and very consistent. So here here it comes. Stop. And it'll stop even for a few seconds. Well, how many times do you have to keep doing it? I don't know how many times you keep getting distracted. That's how many times. Well, that sounds like a lot of work. Yes. When does it end? Never. Well, and some people hear me say that and they say, well, screw that. You know, it sounds like a big pain in the ass. I'm just going to go on struggling with being distracted. Okay. Knock yourself out. I don't recommend it. But you know, just like, I can't make this person be self-defense minded. I can't force solutions on a person. The reason that the, the mental domain is so seldom successfully tackled is because it's unusual. It, it, it's, you know, we we don't intuitively know how to do it. Some of the things that we sort of do mentally, uh based on how we're sort of default wired when we come out into the world, um, are, are not things that help us. But if you can start there, you know, no, no fuss, no, nothing fancy or exotic or, or zen-ish. But when you notice a distraction, tell it to knock it off. Stop. Hmm. And keep doing that, you know, and I mean, you know, there, there are other layers and, and more nuances and so forth over time. But, you know, f- you know, for the average person, you can make a ton of progress by prepping the battlefield and then managing that battlefield. Well, you manage it by taking charge.
0: Fine. Like, I'll clean my desk. Jeez, <laughs> like mike every every time i see you man you're uh you're in better shape than the last time your arms are looking more and more like my legs all the time um (laughs) what advice do you have for optimizing our health and fitness post funnel cake night for me um especially as we age like i'm i'm gonna i'm 54 i'm at the age where i have to start going back and like counting the years but now like when was i born okay i think i'm 54 yeah i think i'm 54 now so uh but I mean, I, I still feel like I'm in great shape, but I, I, but it does, I, I mean, definitely it takes longer for injuries to heal. And I know we have a lot of older people that listen to us, um, mm-hmm. all the people up in their sixties and their seventies, but, um, what is the best, like, what are some of the things that you've learned being in your fifties now also like for optimizing our health and fitness as we get older?
1: Um, good point. So for the record in April, I'll be 60. And, um, the, so I would say first it's sort of, you know, you, you have to assimilate a premise and that is that, uh, and, and research bears this out, this isn't just, you know, some, you know, positive thinking mantra is that you can get stronger at any stage in life. Now, as strong as you possibly could have in your twenties, no, um, but stronger than you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So accept that rather than, well, I'm 40 now, so, or I'm 50 now, or I'm, you know, you know, I'm Gillette's age, so it's impossible. It's like, no, it, it's not. But again, that becomes a very convenient excuse. I know you've heard that excuse many times from any number of people, you know, the, the people that you grow up with, you know, who've just kind of gone to pot physically, you know, they've got all kinds of really compelling reasons for that. Um, you know, after my I, I broke my back, it didn't just get like magically better, it's still jacked up. Um, I have screws in in my right ankle. Uh, in my fifties, I tore this bicep. It was repaired. I tore this bicep, then it was repaired. Uh, so you know, wear and tear is real. I tore this pec. I didn't even know I did it. I mean, it's not like you know the normal pec tear is here and you know it comes off. Um, I started pulling it off uh, off the rib cage here. Now, if you've looked at some of my YouTube videos, it's like, okay, that maybe it was a little of that, a little of that. It's like, yeah, probably. Um, but what what all of these things point to, all of these injuries, you know, my my relative maturity is if you want to be fit, first off, what does that mean? What what is what is fit? Well, it means I gotta run. Why does it mean that? Now, if if you have to run or you just want to run, okay, then it can mean that. Uh, does it mean swimming, you know, or does it need to, does it mean lifting weights? You know, first we need to figure that out, you know, and this is, uh, why uh, a lot of people sort of, uh, are, have jumped, uh, on, the, on the CrossFit wagon. Well, that's, you know, that's the ultimate fitness program. Um, if you can stand it, if your body can take it, I, I don't recommend that for most mortals, you know, now it's, if you have the type of, of robust physique that can withstand that. You, you can embrace that sort of model and, and go to some extraordinary places in terms of, of your personal fitness. But uh, there's considerable wear and tear there. You know, I mean, you know, we always need to think about risk versus reward. And and one of the problems with talking about CrossFit is that what is it? You, you can't even quantify it, you can make some you know, general statements about it. But every individual, you know, CrossFit gym is its own thing. Um, so the first thing we need to do is accept that we can then be, well, what does that look like? You know, me, for me, getting in shape is, you know, I want to be a certain body fat percentage, you know, I want to be able to, you know, run a 40 yard dash in X amount of seconds. Um, okay. Then we need to sort of build towards that. So accept the idea that it's possible, quantify it, and then, do what I do, which is ha- develop a vast repertoire of workarounds. At any given point, I am jacked up, and uh, it's what's most important to me is not being comfortable. It's you know being as strong as I can for as long as I can. So I'm constantly looking for things that today won't hurt as much as other things, which is not a very reassuring statement. Does that mean that once I'm in shape, I can still like be banged up and sore? Well, maybe. Um, I express myself at at this end of, of of the spectrum. That's that's just me. And if I'm not, uh, I'm gonna feel as though I've I've lost something. And there's a point. I mean, I'm closing in on sixty. There's gonna be a point where I just need to keep the machine moving, and that's that's gonna and even that will be an achievement. But that's not today probably not even next week. Um, so for me, I think the best thing for those of us who are on the mature side of things is resistance training and resistance training done in such a way that it's not unnecessarily, uh, stressful to the connective tissue. You know, it's, uh, it's very easy to, to damage all the stuff that holds things together. Uh, I've, I've, I've done everything that, you know, one can do, you know, in terms of injury and, uh, you know, the connective tissue stuff to really take seriously. Um, but resistance training in, in, a, in a methodical way uh, is that's, that's how you're going to you know, keep your muscle mass. That's how you're going to maintain good posture. That's how you're going to keep yourself ambulatory. That's how you're going to keep your joints moving. There's less wear and tear with resistance training than there is on doing a lot of, you know, conventional aer- aerobic type activity. Um, and there's a lot of ways that you can you know elevate the heart rate in ways that don't necessitate a lot of pounding, you know, and you know, you, Jeff, me, you know, world army guys. Right. So there, there's a switch back here. That's like, if I'm not running, I'm not really in shape. Um, and I, I, I ran for a really long time. I didn't start getting strong until I stopped running because there's, the, the, you can only go to the well so many times. It's one of the reasons why, um, you know, people who do CrossFit are are fit. They're strong, but they could be you know fitter or they could be stronger if they were more prone to specialize. And their whole their whole jam is you know being very sort of you know generalists in, in the fitness domain. And uh, maybe that's you know for, for you. Uh, for me. I'm so focused on strength, you know, max output type strength, uh, not durational. The things that I do to test myself are comparatively short duration, and I just need to be, you know, strong and uh, as healthy and complete feeling as I can. And, and again, that takes us right back into how are we managing stress, how are we eating, how are we sleeping, and, and those types of things.
0: Any of that makes sense, or
1: get to where we were going? Hopefully,
0: yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that it's kind of like our, we're really developing our core pillars of the Warrior Life Academy and, and we have an all access uh, membership level where these are the people that, um, like I want to keep it really small because they're, we're trying to really get across this mindset of what it redefine what it means to be a warrior, that it's, it's Mm -hmm. not just the tattooed, you know, long beard, you know, military contractor coming back from Afghanistan, but it's the everyday person. But it, but what are those things that make somebody a warrior? How do you give yourself that term? It's not just a matter of like the cool t-shirt that you have and that you carry Mm -hmm. a gun. It's, it's, you, you might be 75 years old, but it's Mm -hmm. what is doing what you can do, right? It's about It's about doing something uh, rather than just giving up. Like you said, like you can look around, you can look anywhere. I can go to the fair last night and see, just look around and see everybody that gave up. Right. And they have, and I can look and see, they have a mindset of giving up. That's going to be maybe the way they are maybe the rest of their life. Um, And I ask everybody, like, when you look around, when you look in the mirror, Do you see somebody who gave up or are you, because a warrior doesn't give up, right? Like, that's why I say I would die in, 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 uh, in buzz training, you, you don't give up, but you do what you can do, right? I've, I've had injuries also. And I never thought I would like, um, yeah, I just, even there were times where I couldn't even like in the army, I remember I, 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 um, I was out for a while. I had to take up swimming and I suck at swimming. Uh, but I needed to do something because I had a PT test coming up and I wasn't able to get out of it and so I ended up doing like uh yoga and breath work like uh k- like Kundalini you know breath work uh, mm-hmm. breath of fire and stuff I had no like I was not running at all and I ran my best run when I got to my PT test and that was like almost like eight weeks before that I hadn't I had barely run at all mm-hmm. um but I was so oxygen, like I was so efficient with oxygen that I was, I had more mm-hmm. endurance than i had ever had before. Yeah. And so I guess really like what I take out of what you're saying is like, accept that you can be better than what you are today. I love that you said that, right? It's not like you don't need to be your best, but you need to be better than what you are right now. And so we really try to preach to people. It doesn't have to be all or nothing, like do something a little bit every day. It doesn't have to be an hour, a dry fire. It doesn't have to be you know, two hours down at the range, five minutes, you know, a few times a week can have even more effect on you than just going in there and and hitting things for an hour and then just not doing anything for another week or so. So, um, but no, so a lot of that really did resonate, Mike. I appreciate that.
1: I I like that. And I, you know, your example of the yoga, you know, sort of ties into, you know, I'm talking about a workaround, Mm -hmm. you know, well, I I can't do X, then then I can do Y. So I'll, I'll give you one ridiculous example of that. Uh, for your next question. So, you know, I talked about, I, I tore this, no idea when it happened. I mean, I mean within a few months, but I, I got out of the shower one day, I said, wait a minute, you know, that's not, there's not supposed to be kind of like a hole right there. Um, you know, and then you're kind of going back in time. Cause I, I, I definitely knew when these tore because it was screaming pain. Uh, and, but that's life as me. So one of the things it I realized uh, when I would do demonstrations, uh, one one of the staples is, you know, taking a frying pan and rolling it up. Well, I know that how I do it, it's like, I'm not gonna be able to do that anymore because this thing's just going to keep, keep going. So I'm, I'm done with that. Well, uh, does that mean I'm done? Uh, no, I still had, you know, objectives, uh, that I, I thought might be within reach. And a friend of mine, who's sort of the, uh, the Yoda of the feats of strength community, in my estimation, he's a gentleman named Chris Ryder, and he's amazing. Um, people should follow him just to see stuff that's just you know inhuman. Anyway, um, w- within the, the feats of strength community, there are some people who have legitimately. There are plenty of people who have done it, you know, by by gimmicking things. But there's a couple of people who have actually uh, police handcuffs and then broke those handcuffs. Um, and if you ever had handcuffs on, you know, that, that seems like that would a, be hard and B be extraordinarily uncomfortable. So my friend, Chris, he sends me a video via text in mid December, and he broke a pair of handcuffs and I'm like, holy crap. I knew one guy who did that and he he like broke one. He had one handcuff here and it was on a power rack and it took like nine and a half minutes. And this is Dennis Rogers. He's the first human to take a crescent wrench, bend it in half. So he's not normal. Um, and I sort of became enamored with this. And, you know, Chris and I talked and I said, I, I think that's going to be my New Year's resolution for 2022. I think I want to go at that. So um, I ordered a crap ton of uh, boxes of handcuffs uh, on, on eBay. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that didn't cause anyone to want to <laughs> steady me for any reason. And um, we uh, we got on FaceTime. He kind of talked to me. Th- through the way that he did it. And it's not something you do in a demonstration because it took a really long time. It was extraordinarily painful, but uh, I broke the handcuffs before January 1st, even before I even got into 2022. And again, 59 years old, I'm an average sized human, you know, like, you know, five, nine, one whatever, um, depending on funnel cakes the previous weekend. So um, the, the, the thing about that is, a we we can do we can continue to do things, you know, at uh, mature ages, and B, when we do things, and this is I think the the lesson, when you do something you didn't think that you could do, it's not just a physical thing; it's a mental thing. You you can't go back from that. Now now you're that guy that broke handcuffs. Now you're that guy who started your own business. You know now now you're that guy that that set that audacious goal and and you knocked that goal down. You are forever changed by that. And it doesn't just change you, it changes the world because it changes how you engage with your corner of the world. So, you know, when we talk about things like mindset, we talk about things like, you know, uh, trying trying to be fit, we talk about living like a warrior. When we do that, you make yourself better because you know, you you have set sort of an aspirational lifestyle goal for yourself. And you also make the world a safer place, which makes the world a better place you know we need more more people who think of themselves like that and aspire to that
0: hmm. like that's awesome I, that's uh i got so much out of that so I, um that's a great place to stop right there so uh listen everybody uh i've i've been following mike for for many many years now and um and i think partially because the way that he trains the um it's very inspirational to me because i maybe it's the military. Also like a lot of body weight movement, things like that, which are easy for us to do uh, because it's our body. It helps us on a tactical standpoint from a tactical level, because when you learn to use your body, you can use learn, you use your body in all the ways that you might have to defend yourself as well. Um, but even just mentally, when you do achieve those things um i think that is what i've found really drives me the most is that i will not let myself uh be in worse shape than when i was in the army like i've always got to meet that pt test even though it's been many many years since i've been in the military so what standard are you setting for yourself what standard do you want to set for yourself Uh, make it attainable realize that you can and then when you attain that don't go back over that line uh, a lot of stuff there and when you're if you're looking for those techniques and those tools to be able to do that, definitely go check out more of Mike's stuff. Um, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna like just be driven by this stuff as soon as you start looking at his videos. Um, there is a place where you can send up for his newsletter there and there's a really good exercise that you can find on uh, on mental discipline and focus that works really, really well also. So go check it out over at MikeGillette.com. And that's two L's and two T's in Gillette. So MikeGillette.com. And until our next Warrior Life podcast episode, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive Train, survive.